Hello, my friends, and welcome back to Idle Chatter. I'm your host, Ray Bohax, the Hot Rod Farmer, coming to you from Cat Swamp Road. And as to the best of my knowledge, all of the cats are outside right now, so we should hopefully, God willing, have an uninterrupted show today, right? So maybe that'll happen, and uh, we don't know. So we're going to try to see what happens. If I have to put the dragster on for an extended period of time, that's because I got cats meowing and, and scratching at the window. So hopefully the sound of my voice has things going well for you and everything is fine. And uh, nothing too much here as far as the farm is concerned. We have been blessed with some rain probably the past uh, since I cut my corn down, we probably, I didn't, I didn't look at it, but probably five inches, I would say a good rough estimate. I may be wrong, maybe a little bit more than that and, uh, five, maybe six inches. So, uh, well, too bad it didn't. Well, I, I've said this before on the show. It obviously was not the Lord's will for that to come in July or August, but I'm grateful that it is here now and the cover crop is starting to, uh, to become a little bit of something and there's so much trash on the field that uh i really need to um, have those heavier rains to just wash the seed off because i do broadcast but it's uh, coming up pretty good thank god so uh that is it and hopefully everything is going well in your life and in your operation and hopefully god willing you're uh, having a bountiful harvest and what we're going to talk about today is elusive charging circuit problems and they could be during harvest right and you don't want that you don't want to be out in the combine and all of a sudden see that charge indicated alternator light come on or in a grain truck or any time of year right not just during harvest but that's almost like a hope a helpless feeling right when that when that light comes on no matter how much of a mechanic you are you're far away from home or home base or you're on the road or you're out in the field and this light comes on so uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit and hopefully give you some guidance but first i need to get back on track with some pins in my map i've been blessed with a number of pins in my map and the first person that i'm going to give a shout out to is mr mike cleveland from pain springs pain springs texas he gave me a pin in my map just last night i received an email from him so i did not put your pin in my map yet sir i am going to do it right after i get done recording this show today so that i could identify where pain springs texas is and he's told me he has a long history of fixing things and working on equipment and i want to thank you mr cleveland for not only listening to the idle chatter podcast but he says he listens every saturday to farm machinery digest radio on rural radio sirius xm channel 147 so thank you so much sir i greatly greatly appreciate it and then mr robert spulak i'm going to pronounce it and uh mr spulak reached out to me and it it appears that he uh, listens on the uh, radio show and he responded back to me with some uh, questions about springs and he for he had a career in albuquerque new mexico but his farm his mother's family farm that he is now back on is in minnesota so i want to thank you so much mr spulak for not only reaching out to me but giving me a pin in my map and i will brag that mr spulak in his 
non-farmer life was a physicist or is a physicist and did a lot of nuclear research at a very very well-known and uh, prestigious world prestigious the world over uh laboratory and facility i did not uh get Mr. Spulak's permission to announce what laboratory it was or what he did because of the nature of his previous work. So we're going to leave it at that right now. So I want to thank you so much, Mr. Spulak, for listing, give me a pin in my map. And then the next person is Mr. Donald Runkel. And I'm also going to be a little bit elusive with him because he is in Michigan and uh, if you're a car guy, missed, uh, the name Runkle rings uh, kind of rings a bell to you. But he was the head of General Motors powertrain development for many, many years. And it was an honor to communicate with Mr. Runkle because he was a, um, I always was a big fan of him and he's responsible. Uh, like I said, he was the head of powertrain development, which is engines and transmissions, but specifically engines. And he was involved with the, the Buick Grand National Program and the 3800 Buick Program and, um, and the indie program and just all, uh, just very uh, a storied storied career and he's retired from General Motors for a number of years now and he uh, is doing some work with Clear Flame and that's that that's the the diesel type of engine that's using a compression ignition event and burning ethanol. So hopefully I'm going to get to learn a little bit more about that and bring it to you, my audience, either on the podcast or the radio show. And Mr. Runkle is a hot rodder. He's got a uh, a Cobra, a uh, Shelby Cobra kit car type of, uh, not original Shelby, but it's, it's gorgeous. He sent me pictures of it. And it has a warmed over Coyote engine. That's a Ford Coyote that, that, that his good buddy Jack Roush built for him. So he said he couldn't, he told me he couldn't bear to put a Chevy engine in a Cobra. And I agree, even though he has a, had a wonderful career with General Motors. And let me see who else do I have here. And that is basically it. But we do have to announce our winner for the Hot Rod Farmer license plate. And I think this may have happened once or twice before. Honestly, I don't recall because I was blessed to give away so many Hot Rod Farmer license plates. But a person who just recently gave me, just just gave me a pin in my map, won the Hot Rod Farmer license plate. And I've been doing two license plates a week, but I'm cutting back to one right now because, as I said last week in the show, I have to order some. And I don't want to be able to not deliver them. So we will definitely up the ante back to where it is once I get some more Hot Rod Farmer license plates in. But I figured if I give one away a week instead of two until I get the fresh shipment, then we could then I could extend this out a little bit. Because I don't want to tell somebody, hey, you want a Hot Rod Farmer license plate, but I don't know when it's getting here. But the company that I dealt with down in Georgia was very, very efficient, and they did a beautiful job. So drum roll, there used to be a drum roll on the soundboard when you buy it, but I, I, took, I took it off and put all my own stuff on there. So there's not going to be any drum roll, all right? So... Uh, Hey, maybe we'll have a little bit of drinks. I thought we'll drink stuff. Hey, that's the Hot Rod Farmer drum roll. All righty, so you're ready? And this is uh, maybe a first. 
But Mr. Mike Cleveland, who just just gave me a pin on my map, he won. So Mr. So Mr. Cleveland from Payne Springs, Texas, please reach out to me at Hot Rod Farmer at FarmMachineryDigest.com, and I will send give me provide your mailing address. I have your name, and I know Payne Springs, but I don't know where in Payne Springs, and I will get that Hot Rod Farmer license plate out to you ASAP. So please reach out to me, sir, with that address. Alrighty. So as I said, we're going to talk about charging circuit, elusive charging circuit issues, or potential problems with charging circuits that that could flag a charge light or give you a problem with your machine. But but first. I got to talk about some other stuff. And it's just coincidental that the saga with my generator, my portable generator, is continuing on. It's taken a different turn, but definitely is continuing on. And I want a, a precursor to this, the caveat that I'm attach, attaching to this, is I don't want you to think that I'm a crybaby, all right? I don't want you to think that I'm a crybaby or a pain in the neck or what have you i share this information with you as an fyi that's it that's what this show is about this show is about education so if you learn from somebody so if i go to an a a, a soils class or an agronomy class and somebody says to me hey i ran into this problem with my plant or i ran into this problem with my seeds all right that doesn't mean that i'm gonna have that problem but it's an fyi something to put in your memory bank all right so and that's what education and li- and that's what they call experience in life right and lots of times the experience you have was lived vicariously through someone else and you can say geez i heard of somebody that had a problem and the, the engine responded exactly that way and it was the egr valve i don't know for sure but that's what the problem was on his and on his engine and that's why i always ask you guys to reach out to me and to communicate with me because i learn through through the sadly through the problems you have with different pieces of equipment and maybe i could help you and maybe i can't i'm not a know-it-all all right but over my years of working on engines and commu- people communicating with me and it, it started back when i worked with alan test products I used to phone fix a lot of cars people would call up and uh when they wouldn't be people would be customers that bought oscilloscopes or missions analyzers from us so they'd say i have a problem with something and i'd you know lots of times phone fix them or, or even actually go down to their shop and uh so it that i was blessed with an accelerated diagnostic learning curve simply because i was exposed to so many different vehicles and so many different problems it's to be like a person that does has a custom spraying operation or a custom planting custom farming operation you know i've only sprayed my field i i don't uh, you know i don't have any pitfalls no to pitfalls or obstacles or i have no to pitfalls and obstacles in my field but i have a small farm but if somebody's doing tens of thousands of acres going all over spraying spraying through, through a couple of counties then they have a lot more experience in spraying in a lot of the potential pitfalls so this is what it's all about it's not a, a moaning and groaning session but i figured i would share it with you and do with it what you want so basically in essence to try to not ruin right waste the whole show with it but i ended up investing in the word is investing because it's it's a purchase but you're buying it it's an exchange of money but you're investing because you expect to give it a have the return and the return that i expect to have is electricity when the power goes out all right so it's not a monetary return 
an ROI, but being able to power the house up when the electricity goes out. And recently, that's been quite a quite often, especially in the winter time. So that's why. And as if you listen to previous shows, you know that my beloved Briggs and Stratton has a, had a created a problem where it's not charging. It's beyond what I want to get involved with. So I am going to get it up to James Condon. And if you don't know James Condon, go on YouTube and do an internet search. James Condon, C O N D O N, and he has a wealth of videos about generator repairs and he's probably the most uh, well-versed person on portable and small generators not big gen sets powering a hospital but portable and small generators so you could check that out and he does an excellent job on his videos and you don't see him you just see he talks through the diagnostic procedures and uh, just does a real great job so anyway i'm going to get the eventually get the briggs up to him so he could check it out but anyway so and if we could fix it we fix it if it's a stator like i think it is it's 900 forget about it but anyway so i ended up investing in a generac gp8000e and the reason why I chose that, there was some, it, was, it basically is a carbon copy as far as the specifications, only the specifications. I'm giving you a hint. Uh, 8,000 watts constant, 10,000 on the surge, 420cc motor, 7.9 gallon. The Briggs said it has an 8 gallon fuel tank. So there's so many, they, they look like they copied Briggs. And I had the, I have the Elite 8,000 Briggs and Stratton. So, I invested in this and I looked, I did a lot, I do my due diligence. You know, it's no fun in life buying something the second time. And I don't care what it is, whether it's a piece of farm equipment, whether it's a house, whether it's a, a car, a truck, a well pump. All right, when you have a premature failure or something happens, you'll, the first time you buy it, it's exciting. The second time, it's not exciting. All right, it's actually a waste of money. And that's why when I, I bought my planter, I actually drove 4,000 miles that winter and had it custom built because the first planter I bought, I did not like and I didn't do my due diligence and I believed the salesperson and it was not what I wanted it to be. I struggled with it for five or six years and then I said well maybe more than that because my dad was still alive and I said well this is well maybe he died in 2010 so I think I got it maybe in 2009 I don't know whatever so uh I mean so hey we'll, we'll leave it at that so I did my due diligence and of two things the 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 output the eight thousand watts constant ten thousand on the surge is what I wanted uh and I, 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 that was important to me. There was a, and a, a large enough fuel tank was important to me because I have to run it off of gasoline. So I wanted to be able to have uh, enough fuel in reserve. So in case the power goes out for a couple of days. So that's that. And then the two, a couple of other elements that I was interested in or, or boxes I needed to check per se is probably a more accurate way for me to say it was that I was, my Briggs supposedly had a THD, which is total harmonic distortion. I'm going to break away for a minute because I've spoken about that on this show and um, I have found the company, their name is not to be, I'm not going to divulge it yet. And I may have located a affordable total harmonic distortion meter. And they're going to give me one to test. And if I could, if they want to play ball with me, I'm going to ask them for a number of them, and then I'm going to give them away 
on this show is a special contest. Not the Hot Rod Farmer license plate, but on this show and the radio show. Because I think it's very important for everybody in the audience to be able to read total harmonic distortion coming into their farm, their house, and specifically if they're running solar panels or if they're running some sort of generator, whether it's a standby generator in a big dairy barn or a backup generator like I have. And total harmonic distortion is the deviation from the pure sine wave. I'm not going to get into into it right now here. I did a show on it. You can go back and listen to it. And it does have the ability to kill electronics if it's too high. So think of it, dirty electricity, like dirty fuel. So the THD I was interested in, and my Briggs, one of the reasons I bought the Briggs is that they had claimed that it was less than 5% THD, which allows you to run sensitive electronics. We really don't have sensitive electronics here in the farmhouse other than my computer, maybe, hey, my podcast equipment here, right? And then also the router for the uh, wireless internet. But, but, but just like eating off a dirty plate, well, you could eat off a dirty plate, doesn't mean you can get sick and die. But the whole idea is that the cleaner the electricity that you could feed your washing machine, your refrigerator, your freezer, your control unit on your heating system, the better off you're going to be, right? So just like, you know, just like eating off a clean plate. If you had eggs on a plate, now you're throwing a hamburger on it. Well, you know, it's like I say, it's not the end of the world. You're not going to get sick and die from it, but you're always better off eating from a clean plate. So my attitude always was, or my thought process instead of attitude, was that, you know, if I could invest in a generator with a low total harmonic distortion, which the Briggs supposedly had, all right, I had no way to check it at that particular time. So I'm excited about this meter that's hopefully, God willing, going to be coming my way that I will share with you. And I could look at that, then I could know, hey, I got a clean plate, right? So that's that's important. So, but Generac does not give you any value for total harmonic distortion for this unit. All right, they have the eight, they have, a, I think, an XT8000E, which is fuel injected, and they say that has less than 5%, but but as the saga continues, just keep that, keep that in the back of your mind, all right? Hold that thought in your mind. And the other thing that was important to me, obviously, parts, service, and, and ho- hopefully reliability, but the access to be able to get service parts for it, because it's a machine, and I like to keep stuff for a long time, but to have it have it made in the USA, all right, or something, some part of it made in USA, the engine or assembled in the USA, and Generac very clearly on their website, if you were to go on the Generac website and go GP8000E49 state version, because they have a California version, which has a CO sensor and evaporative emissions, and I don't want that, I don't want a CO sensor, because I don't want something else that's going to possibly conk out and then shut the generator off, all right? So I didn't want that. So this is a 49-state version. And if you go to the specific, the tech specifications page, and on the first page of it, scroll down to console on the right-hand side, they have it says, designed and assembled in USA. And then underneath it, it says, it says, assembled in USA with domestic and imported or foreign components. And I was accepting of that because you're not going to get anything today. It's 100% USA, so sadly. But 
I was accepting of that, and I called up Generac, and they said, before I purchased it, and I said, oh, yeah, so it's made in Wisconsin, blah, 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 with American and domestic part. The engines are made there. Okay, fine. And I bought, and, you know, you can't see anything today. You go someplace, you're buying stuff off a picture and what have you, and you can't see anything. And that's a problem. Also, I like to touch and feel something or get be familiar with, but you can't do it today. All right, so I bought I bought the unit off of uh, Electric Generators Direct. They're fantastic. I bought my Briggs off of them. They're fantastic. They gave me X. They uh, sh- shipping right to the house, free shipping with liftgate service. I mean, fantastic. E- electric Generators Direct. They sell all types of generators, not just the portables the uh, pto generator like i said i can't say enough good things about electric generators direct all right so that's i want to make sure that i'm clear with that it's generac that i have an issue with so the generator comes i purchase it the generator comes i'm quasi excited about it because i'm disappointed in my briggs all right and the briggs looks beautiful runs beautiful just doesn't make any electricity now so anyway and electric generators direct did a wonderful job they put they they strapped that the generator box onto a skid onto a pallet so when they move it around with the forklift i mean so the box came beautiful pristine that everything was great about the delivery about electric generators direct that comes the guy has electric hand truck brings it right said here put it here in the garage because he came a little bit later than i thought and i i wanted to put it together so i said put it in the garage I, if he came earlier which is not his fault i would have put it just in the driveway and worked there more light because i'm blind as a bat well so me being who i am i look <laughs> i look at the box right and the first thing i see is the little same logo it says design but now it says designed in usa and that's it and it's built in vietnam so it says assembled in vietnam country of origin vietnam so basically in essence i was i was hoodwinked now would have i purchased it i honestly don't know all right so i call up so i go back to the website maybe maybe i'm drunk maybe i'm not seeing it properly go back to the website usa assembled in usa with domestic afar for the gp 8000e not another model you can say no 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 that one is made gp 8000e so i call up generac they tell me it's i said well why does mine say vietnam on the box so i said well we're going to try to find the picture of the box and then i found up uh, the the specifications and serial number decal on the unit and it says country of origin vietnam so i've been going back and forth with them and to me this is very very misleading and the scriptures tell you very clearly that if you a person if you cannot be trusted with a little that you cannot be trusted with a lot or that or much some translations say with much if you can't be trusted with a little that you can't be trusted with much so if generac can't even tell me that they're basically touting that it's that it's designed and assembled in the usa on their website and they don't even know it's coming from vietnam and i know what's basically happening they're subbing this out to a third party in vietnam to put these together because there's other things the instructions didn't match the unit i I, I don't want to go waste i could waste the whole show on it all right but i'm very very disappointed you may say "Ah, well hot rod forget about it right all right the thing basically is is that also looking at this unit compared to my briggs because i have it in the garage 
Mickey Mouse. This looks like a kid's toy compared to my Briggs. My Briggs looks like an Abrams tank compared to this unit. Plus, there is a lot of poor engineering in it, all right, which is the American's fault that it says designed in USA. So who knows, right? Maybe designed in Vietnam also. A lot of poor engineering in it. For instance, the one thing that comes to mind is that they have the muffler, and where the Briggs has the muffler away, a, little, a, a bigger gap away from the engine and made a, a, a heat shield, sheet, uh, stainless steel enclosure around the muffler to isolate the heat from the alternator, all right? And then uh, when I was running the new generator, the Generac, I was taking temperature readings and I go and I look, I said, why is it 180 degrees on this side of the alternator and, and it's 78 degrees on this side or 80, 100 degrees on this side? Well, they have no heat shield on the, and it's not like they forgot it. They have a heat shield on the front that says hot because they don't want to be sued if you got burnt. Well, it's a Mickey Mouse heat shield. It doesn't even cover the whole muffler. And they have no heat shield. They have the muffler closer to the alternator. And plus, listen to this. They affixed the muffler to the alternator for support to a metal bracket. So, you're going to have thermal transfer through this metal bracket right into, and, and, and you know, if you've listened to my show, is that there's nothing that's going to kill elect- electronics and windings in a generator or an alternator quicker than heat. All right, so now you have this heat from the muffler going there. So if I have to run this generator, I told Charlotte, if it, if it wasn't brand new, I would rip the thing apart and and uh put some insulation there that we used on headers or something but i'm not going to do that i'm not touching it all right and it probably break but i said to Charlotte, if we have to run this for and i don't care if it's 10 degrees outside we have to run this for some sort of power outage for any length of time i'm taking a box fan and plugging it into one of the outlets and i'm going to run air right across that that generate that alternator to keep that heat because that's going to cook it you run this thing for seven eight nine ten hours on the load you're gonna and especially if it's warmer weather you're gonna fry that all right so very poor design all right uh for heat transfer into the power head any place that you could see that they saved a half a penny on this thing is the yugo of alternators if you looked at a yugo 40 35 years ago you'd say well well, everybody else had two bolts they had one very very cheaply designed very cost sensitive very disappointed all right my briggs had a floating battery charger so you plugged it in it would float like a battery tender all right they claim that this is not a floating charger that they tell you charge it once every three months for 24 hours with my briggs they said keep the charger on at all time because it's going to float like a battery tender and keep the battery up well i don't even think they know what, what they're talking about because i i have something called a kilowatt meter and it's a great meter it's like 26 dollars. i don't know how accurate it is. it's accurate enough for what you and i would be doing and it measures watts amperage you plug it into the wall socket then you plug whatever you want to read into that and it gets powered through this meter so when i plug after i charged it the next day and i recognized this that it's not that it's supposed to be a battery charger not a floating charger i plugged it in through the kilowatt meter and it shows zero amperage zero watts so that means it either is not working which would not surprise me all right it's either not working or even that you should see the the uh 
the floating charger on the Briggs looked like uh, it looks like it came from a nuclear power plant compared to this. Or it is a floating charger, and Generac has no idea what they're talking about because they got it from a third party from Vietnam. And that's and that, so the battery is 13.09 volts. I put my voltmeter against it. I mean, against it. Up, I checked it. So it must be charged, and then it must be a floating charger. But I'm get. I'm not even going to use it. I'm going to invest in a good floating charger and hook it up because I don't trust anything on here. Uh, it's it, another thing, basically, <laughs> with the ruse that they have. They got this big big panel case for the air filter i said wow this thing's got some air filter it's a big panel air filter looks like the size of going to my fiesta my ford fiesta you take the cover off it's got a mickey mouse they're using maybe one sixth of the area one eighth of the area for the air filter so they give you this big housing to looks like it's got this big automotive style air filter. just very 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 disappointed uh i i will say for it's to its credit all right I mean, I really don't like the unit. But for its credit, I did some. I did run it. I I ran it off a heat gun, and I have about two point six hours. So I I powered up the house on it. The output voltage is is right at one hundred twenty one twenty one, very stable, and the hertz is about sixty one to sixty two point three, even running partially the house and uh and that that looks good i hopefully to get this meter to read total harmonic distortion i would like to know what that is and uh see what that is also it is smaller the <clears throat> the envelope is smaller so i'm able to fit this under my workbench which i do like and they gave you a really really nice funnel to put the oil in it the funnel is the best thing about the whole unit all right and also i didn't think i would like to handle but i like to handle so anyway been back and forth with generac they're supposed to get back to me and i'm saying this in a very humble way i mean i'm not bragging because i have a radio show or a podcast that's not what i'm saying but i'm sharing this with my audience with you and the thing basically is, I, I told the woman from Generac, I said, I don't trust you guys. I said, no, this I said, you're a very nice lady. I have no problem with you whatsoever, you're an employee. But if you're saying here that it's, that it's made in the United, assembled in the United States and it comes, it's assembled, it's made in Vietnam. I said, when did Vietnam become, a, a, maybe it's a city in Wisconsin. I have no idea, right? It's supposed to be, you told me it's made in Wisconsin. I have your email, all right? Mine says Vietnam, and uh so i mean does it have eight thousand watts does it have ten thousand on the surge will you will you honor the warranty you'll get back to the bible saying those that can't be trusted with a little can't be trusted with much so we will see i um, my hope is that they saved a nickel everywhere because they put better electronics in it better alternator in it better windings in it better (laughs) bearings in it better avr which is automatic voltage regulator right i would tend to think not but who knows so the saga we'll see what they have been back and forth with emails and the woman is saying i don't know why the box says that i said the box says i have no problem with the box the box is telling the truth all right but you know honestly would i have bought this unit if i knew it was made in vietnam and it wasn't there's nothing look i mean i have no love for vietnam obviously but if it's all imported and not made by Generac, then, you know, whatever. 
that's a game changer for me, then why should I? I mean, why should I buy a Generac for? I mean, I could buy go, go to go to uh, what do you call it? Uh, Harbor Freight and get a Predator. It's probably made in the same place, so for for less money. Uh, and it's not a money issue it's a service issue it's a parts issue but i have a sour taste in my mouth about this unit like i said it's it's and so will happen when i we'll see what happens hopefully by next week i'll get the thd meter i'll be able to check it and also the thing is that they tell you do 30 hours in the first oil change i'm not keeping they gave you nice oil it's 1.06 quarts now why don't you make it one quart already I mean, 0.06 of a quart. So they did give you a nice jug of oil, and it says on a 1.06. So I took my paint pen, a white paint pen, and I marked where on the oil container is supposedly 1.06. So this way, when I change oil and fill it up in Mobile One, I know I could just use that container, and the funnel is beautiful, and then pour that right to that level and have the 1.06 quarts. So who knows? But very, very, very disappointed in Generac would not recommend them at this particular point to anybody who knows maybe the last 10 years the Briggs looks like an Abrams tank and a fine piece of jewelry compared to this the starter on the Generac is everything is Mickey Mouse I mean it's as cheap as could be I mean who knows maybe it'll last forever God willing right but buyer beware and if you're looking for if you're looking for anything today in life it almost seems that you can't trust any of these companies sadly I mean, you can't trust them. They tell you what you want to hear to make the purchase, and then when it when it comes, it's a whole bunch bunch of different stories. And I'm not that way. I mean, so hope you know. And if that doesn't bother you, then God bless you. There's no problem with that. So, but but you know, keep that in mind specifically if you're buying a bigger unit, a more expensive unit. And you know, I granted, I understand this is a, a, a eleven hundred dollar machine. It's but so was my brakes, but there's. Like I said, there's really nothing that I like about it other than the funnel and the handle. <laughs> I mean, so, uh, but hey, most things in life, uh, poor, very poor engineering, very, very, very poor engineering in, in my estimation. And I'm not a generator engineer, but very poor, very poor engineering. And, uh, and like, leave, we'll leave it at that, but I'll let you know how it works out and I'll let you know what the THD is. So I'm going to get a drink of water here, and I'll put the dragster on for a second. Yeah, ready. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I'm back. So let's talk about, <clears throat> and this, this has nothing to do with my bad experience with, with, with Generac. So I'm talking about charging circuit issues on a piece of equipment, farm equipment, or a truck, a tr tractor, car, what have you. And uh, as like I said, I planned on doing this show before all this happened with my generator. But uh, but anyway, you know, as I started to say in the intro, that a charging circuit issue is often very unnerving because you're almost working blind. And today, in a lot of pieces of equipment. They don't give you an amperage output. They at best they give you a voltmeter, and I mean in the dashboard in the instrument cluster, whether it's a tractor or whether it's a car or what have you. And lots of times they don't even give you that, or they give you a voltmeter, and then also that they give you a a, a 
what we used to call years ago an idiot light, but you can't say that because it's not politically correct. So you have to call it a telltale. <coughs> Excuse me. And, you know, there's different instances that could cause you a lot of problems. And we're going into harvest, but as I said before, even if you're not in harvest, if it's summertime and you go on vacation and all of a sudden that red light comes on, that's a very, very insecure feeling. And specifically today, because a lot of these vehicles and a lot of these pieces of equipment, it's not like it was back 30, 40, 50 years ago where it's easy to take an alternator off and change it or put some brushes in it or what have you, all right? They're usually buried somewhere they're hard to get to and then also if the engine is the engine is hot i mean it it, this get this it this extrapolates out into a big fiasco so if your wife is 100 miles from the farm and the and the alternator light goes on it wasn't like it was years ago you say okay honey wait there i'll come now see what's going on or what have you and with today's equipment and i'm going to say equipment whether be it vehicles be it trucks or be it farm machines they're so, so dependent on electron electrical voltage and output that you don't have that safety net of getting the vehicle or the tractor or the combine back to the shop lots of times. Or you take a tier four diesel, it's running electric fuel pumps, it's operating the injectors electrically. You take a modern gasoline engine, they may only go two or three miles uh, <laughs> without the alternator working all right maybe you go five or six miles and it all depends and if it happens to be at night and you have to have the headlights on you're cutting that down dramatically whereas years ago if you had an old diesel and it a piece of farm equipment you lost the alternator well you didn't even care all right uh you shut the lights off you shut the radio off and you could run it like that for 10 years for a couple of you know for i'm saying 10 years would be ridiculous you could run that for for some time and then you could even come back to the shop if you're in the middle of harvesting back to the farm and charge it all night get it to start and if you don't shut it off all day long you'd be fine that's not happening today but what you need to recognize and that's what I'm hoping to talk about today, is that, first of all, I, I think that I, I will, uh, what's the word? I will suggest, strongly suggest, that in all your pieces of equipment, that, as, as, that whenever you service them, change your oil, do something, that you do a charging circuit output test. And there are very, years ago, if you have a, a number of pieces of equipment on your farm, you should invest in some sort of charging circuit output tester, which is going to put a which is going to load test the battery and load test the alternator. Years ago, the SunVat 40 VAT, which was voltage alternator tester 40, was the industry standard to do it. But they have these handheld ones. All right, how good are they? Uh, I really couldn't tell you, but they're, they're good enough for what you need to do you're not like then again like i say you're not working in a nuclear power plant all right so they're good enough what you need to do and you and now that does not i'm not implying you could check the alternator and you could go out in the field to go a mile from the farm and something happens all right that's the that's you know the problem with electronics you can't tell when they're going to fail all right so the thing is that 
but the whole idea is for you to track that and do it and if you and if you invest a few hundred dollars into some sort of alternator battery tester it's just a matter of hooking it up to the battery do putting the load on and seeing what's going on if the voltage output is good right but now keep in mind and specifically with farm equipment uh, because it sits uh, like a combine or a sprayer sits for months and months out of the year is that there that corrosion and i I i've spoken about this many times that corrosion in connections is often all that is causing the alternator charging problem because the alternator has to sense the output and remember an alternator could do three things or four things it could charge properly number one it could it could not charge number two it could undercharge or it could overcharge and when you overcharge that means you're probably putting out most alternators put out between 14 and high 14 volts today all right uh at this at a let's say a thousand rpm all right if it's overcharging you could put out 15 16 volts uh you're probably not going to to oh you're probably not going to hurt the delicate electronics at that particular point but they're not going to like it all right and uh you have the 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 potential probably not the probability but the potential to hurt to blow some bulbs right you may have let's say like a um uh some sort of i use the term precision planting even though it's a brand name some sort of equipment where you have a yield monitor where you have a yield monitor combine some auto steer so one of the things that you should become familiar with and you don't have to be paranoid about it is that you should talk to the manufacturer you could do this during the winter right put on your list of things to do and find out what the operating voltage threshold is for that piece of instrumentation so in essence if you have a yield monitor on your combine and they tell you that it'll operate between 9.8 volts and 16.2 volts then you know if you have an overcharging situation it's at under 16.2 volts that you are not going to hurt it all right that's very very important and don't just you know just you know buy something today and have you know experience like i'm having with generac even though i tried to do my due diligence but you really need to be familiar with what with all this electronics and uh, of what the threshold of the voltage is so for instance like years ago on a uh ford had an, had a system called eek 3 and what they basically did is uh that the ecu ran off at 9.8 volts instead of the normal five volts which was great but if you had a weak battery and it was very cold outside and you went to crank the engine to start it to you it sounded like it was cranking fine but it wouldn't fire the injectors because of the voltage to drop below 9.8 remember these are digital signals so 9.79 is no go it's like a go go no a go no go gauge in machining and then pulse the injectors so then when they came out with eq4 they went down to five volts like everybody else all right but the thing is that so you should get quasi familiar with what with what each piece of critical equipment you need to uh 
the operating range of voltage. And the same thing is if you have a dairy barn and you have a sophisticated fan or cooling system, you have a robotic milker, you have a, a, some sort of chiller for your dairy barn, you have a grain bin dryer, right? This is not running off the alternator on the tractor, all right, but it's running off a line voltage. But you, and you know, this gets back to the total harmonic distortion that I want to measure on my alt on my generator, is that you need to now start to ask these questions. So you're going to invest in something in your farm shop, and you need to, uh, or your farm, a piece of uh, a generator, or, or you don't even have a generator. You need to talk to the salesman and say, okay, I'm going to put this grain bin controller in. I'm putting this this control of what it, and it's running it's running off or whatever 230 two, I mean 240 440 whatever it may be but you need to <clears throat> excuse me ask them what the acceptable range that it will take all right and then also you need to ex- a voltage and you need to because remember everything works on ohm's law volts times amps equals watts and you also need to ask them as far as your building your your stationary equipment not your vehicles or farm equipment is what level of total harmonic distortion will it tolerate because as i said in shows prior and i'll reiterate it is that you know it's very that's why i'm hoping this thd meter works out very well because i'm going to suggest that everybody has it because even though if you not making any power on the farm whatsoever you have no generator you have no solar grids you have nothing right and you're just running off a line voltage coming from the power plant it's very important for you to know what the thd is coming into your building your farm shop your dairy barn your your hog house your chicken your chicken building whatever and also into your office because you're running computers (coughs) excuse me (coughs) excuse me and the thing is that and a lot of these operations have a lot so it's important but let me get back into alternators so that's one thing that you want to look at now keep in mind so without being able to put a voltmeter across the battery you're not going to know what the alternator output is and keep in mind also that his that as the load is a as, a, as the load increases on the alternator is that you're stressing it more <clears throat> and it's fine it's designed for that but arguably if you have a very minimal load on it and it's able to maintain the voltage and then you have a lot of heavier loads for instance you have the headlights on the air conditioner on uh, anything a, a bunch of electronic equipment on or what have you and now you start to have a problem is that it's imperative that you look at the voltage all right because if the voltage starts to ramp down it may be something very simple as the voltage regulator which is not so simple take because historically they're usually inside the alternator but keep in mind that a diode will start to fail and reduce the output voltage because an alternator actually produces ac alternating current which is a sine wave like for my like for your house or you feel built for your building and then what they do is they end up using diodes what they call chop the ac and they rectify it and make it into dc 
And it's a little bit different than you would see on a generator because on a backup generator because it's called an AC ripple. If you looked if you looked at it on an oscilloscope, it looks like a bunch of M's all tied together, and that's the AC ripple because it's above what they call the zero crossing when the polarity changes on a sine wave. The polarity changes, so keep in mind that if you start to see voltage degrade or something happened to some of your equipment um, equipment meaning let's say a monitor and usually a monitor some sort of advanced electronics is a canary in the coal mine it's going to tell you something that's going on but also you need to look at the connections and not only the connections but think of corrosion going back up into the wire lots of times almost all of these connections are eyelet connections and lots of times that they're they're not potted where the eyelet is crimped on to the connection and then over time let's say with a combine it sits you get corrosion going back up into into that line so <clears throat> the connection looks clean but where the eyelet is actually making contact with the wires to send the power out that's a problem all right now also another thing that i've seen over the years is that now every alternator has a fan in it a vehicle it's either an internal fan or an external fan an external fan is is just what it says it's usually it's right behind the pulley and you could see it and if it has a pulley with no fan on it that's called an internal fan if you were to split the alternator apart that there is a fan on the other side of the case because because the alternator is going to create a lot of heat and that's why i'm concerned with my generac because by nature of it making electricity it's going to create heat and then also now in my generac the poor design now i'm putting the heat from the exhaust system which is the muffler is close to the to the to the uh alternator on the on the generac and now they're affixing it with metal brackets two metal brackets which is a heat transfer and you have to remember hot goes to cold it's called thermal inertia so you're going to have the thermal transfer because even if the alternator is hot it's going to be cooler than the muffler so now you have this heat transfer going to it so so all alternators on farm equipment on vehicles have either an internal external fan so now keep in mind that depending upon the load that you have on the alternator all right that if you do have a loose belt all right usually you could see it but you want to pay attention to it if you have a loose belt or the belt is very glazed and under higher load that the alternator belt may be slipping you're going to have a voltage output and an amperage output drop and we've all heard that right we all of a sudden the belt starts to squeal when you put something on that's simply because the belt is not getting a good grip onto the pulley and the electrical load being placed on the alternator is higher than the surface tension of the belt to grip the pulley now i've seen which is very very rare very rare but I've seen one or two instances, same thing I've had seen it with water pumps, is that the pulley comes loose or the fan comes loose. Lots of them are pressed on to the shaft. The fan comes loose and the alternator actually starts to overheat, overheat when it gets a higher load because the let's say if the let's say arguably your pulley ratio will make it easy is 
it's two to one. So if you're cra- so if you're crankshaft is spinning two thousand RPM, that your pulley ratio has the alternator turning four thousand RPM, and under a certain and at four thousand RPM, that the that the fan because it's it's pressed on to the shaft, all right, is starting to slip so the alternator the rotor in the alternator is spinning 4000 rpm but the fan is only spinning a thousand rpm so it doesn't have enough cooling across it the alternator is still making electricity because the rotor is spinning in the stator at the proper at proper speed but the the diodes and the circuits are starting to overheat and the diode is starting to pass current both ways so it's starting it's start, it's starting to uh, to fail all right so keep that in mind the other thing to keep in mind is that the state of the connections to your battery and the electrical connections to the alternator as i said before are imperative and the ground circuits are imperative and i've said this many times is that you want to do a voltage drop test on it all right and the other thing another aspect is that and years ago a lot of equipment was wired up this way and a lot of um, general motors vehicles were wired up this way. it's still this way i don't know and there's so many different farm machines out there there's john deere there's case there's fent there's kubota there's a long there's there's, all these different and there's different models right the thing is that some of the equipment the the idiot light the charge light is actually part of the circuit to feed the voltage to the to the rotor to make it charge so in simplistic terms if the bulb burns out for the charge light on some applications the alternator will not charge and that's why it's very important for you to be familiar when you look at when you turn the ignition on and when you power it up to see whether the charge light works if the charge light works all right because you don't know so if i got into a brand new john deere tractor i don't know whether they have that wide i'm not saying that you become electric engineer electrical engineer and spend fifty thousand dollars on schematics which you probably can't even get today and see how it's wired up but a good telltale is that if the charge light doesn't work and you develop the charging circuit problem then that that bulb is probably part of the circuit to feed to feed the field all right to have a charge and very 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 important and then also that bulb is a good telltale if you start to have a failed or a weak diode usually if you have a failed or weak diode then again i can't say this is a blanket statement because it wasn't like it was years ago where people where companies you know wired up the stuff the same all right is it and you know it's it's all over the map now but if that if that bulb starts that that light starts to glimmer a little bit usually that's an indicator of a diode that is starting to fail now these are all alternators well for the most part that i'm aware of that have brushes and the alternator makes ac but it's going to be fed dc all right to the rotor and it's going to go through the brushes now if now as the brushes start to wear 
there's a spring in there that's going to hold the brushes onto the slip ring some people call it the commutator they call it the slip ring and there's going to be a positive and negative brush i've seen instances where the brushes are worn and then what happens is that at lower engine speeds that it's a hundred fine and then you go let's say i'll make up a number you bring it up to 2000 rpm and all of a sudden the alternator stops charging and the light comes on and then you release the throttle and bring the rpm down and the brushes make contact again and the alternator charges fine you bring it back up that speed so usually at that particular point the brush is worn and the spring doesn't have enough tension and the harmonics because there's even though it runs very smoothly but the harmonics because it is spinning within a magnetic field and is rotating all right and uh and it is in bearings but the centrifugal force wants to pull the brush away and it loses contact all right Uh, some alternators you can actually change the brushes on them without taking the alternator off all right a lot of them you cannot so so keep that in mind so if you have an engine speed issue where it's regardless of no load or 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 high load that is the rpm goes up it's usually and it stops charging and you and it's almost mechanically linked like the, the to the to the throttle pedal when the rpm comes down it's usually the brush losing contact with excuse me with the the slip ring and also at that particular point if you do put brushes in you could use a it's old school a pencil eraser to clean the carbon tracking off the slip ring because lots of times if the brushes are worn to that to that to that level that there's a lot of carbon tracking on the slip ring and that is going to act as an insulator and not allow the brush to transfer all of the electrical energy to the rotor to allow it to make full charging circuit voltage all right so so that that is a a potential problem there but what i also want you to keep in mind is that a lot of alternators uh, replace i should let me preface this saying it another way replacement alternators are not what they're supposed to be so if you've been a listener to my show to this show or to the radio show you know that i don't like aftermarket parts i don't i i mean i'm not saying they're all bad you have to trust them it's very easy if you have an alternator go out and you can't get parts for it you're in the middle of harvest you're in the middle of plant whatever your wife is broken down someplace i used to fix all my own alternators but i don't fix them anymore because they make it where you can't fix i went to school with general motors and a delcatron i could fix in my sleep with my eyes closed excellent alternator all right you could press the bearings out easily you could put the the rectifier bridge in diode trio you could check it easy i gave you specifications like i said to my wife even today this morning i said you know as a technical person the worst thing is to have a piece of equipment and the company knows nothing about it and gives you no specifications like generac all right so the thing base is if i know what the spec is supposed to be if you know hey the valves are supposed to be adjusted to this this is the output of the alternator this is the, the then you could say fine you could check it and you feel comfortable otherwise you're just guessing but a lot of rebuilt alternators are junk in plain and simple english unpolitically correct all right and if you want to try to buy a reman it's very very uh 
it's a siren song all right the old the old myth of the siren which was a which was a, like a mermaid that would that would call the sailors to the rocks and then they would crash the ship it's a siren song to be able to say hey you know i could get this one is less expensive but if you could buy a original equipment remanufactured one that's probably your best bet when you put it when you put it on study it because lots of times i mean and i'm going to use the old delco alternators as an example it was the same envelope the same case but the amount of windings and the way it was wound made a difference in its output so if you need a let's say arguably a 94 amp alternator to run everything on your combine and you're getting it and you're going to getting one that's a that's an aftermarket you know and just because the case is stamped 94 amps that means nothing because i've seen with it i'm using 94 as an example with it's with it with it they're stamped 94 because the case is the same all right that's like you know uh taking a tractor it's got 400 horsepower uh, you have a, a Steiger. use that for example you have a 400 horsepower Steiger, and you go to Steiger and buy the decals that say 650 and put it on there that don't mean anything all right so i've seen many instances over the years where the case was stamped with with an aftermarket with the right with a rebuilt with the right amperage output and then when i load tested it after i put it on there it's half that amperage or the three quarters of that amperage all right so the thing basically is that you know you have to be very very careful with this but in essence as we cut to a chase here and to to make it simplistic obviously a failure inside the alternator can make it not charge but you need to also be very cognizant of the connections the quality of the connections the cleanliness of the connections and also the cleanliness of the connections if it uses an eyelet into the cable all right you need to be you need to be cognizant of of the fan all right say well how do i know if the fan is inside well if you know you could take a little screwdriver don't bend it don't short it out if you're worried about it disconnect the battery ground and go in there and you have the belt tension just push a little bit on the fan both ways left and right clockwise and counterclockwise because i've seen them where they'll they'll spin one way because the way they wore because it's gonna that's where the author is naturally spinning and it tightens up that way but if you push it back the other way it's loose all right all right you need to pay you need to be mindful and and test and and part of your protocols in your shop with all your equipment today cars trucks combines tractors is buy yourself a, a halfway decent alternator battery tester it's an essential tool today all right it's like an impact gun it's an it's metric sockets it's an essential tool and you know make it make you make it routine to just all you do is go across the battery and you flip a switch it puts a load on it and you see what's going on all right and then you want you want to look at that you want to keep in mind that that the voltage regulator could be a problem and you want to also keep in mind that electricity is very very funny and this is not going to be i'm I'm not saying funny i mean it's it's unpredictable by me saying funny it's not comical all right and this is not going to be of much help to you because it can't be and you can't you cannot predict with electricity how the piece of equipment is going to respond if it has unrectified ac because of a weak diode all right if it has a high impedance ground circuit or if it has a high impedance power circuit 
so the hot lead is corroded and it's <clears throat> not transferring <clears throat> excuse me all the power to the eyelet and that's why you need to check this and you need to be familiar with it all right probably if you look at everything and i'm not saying you go rip the tractor apart and rip the combine apart and say well there's a ground back over here all right behind the feeder house or something or behind the hopper on the combine and that's for the taillights we're not going there the ground circuits and the and the and the feed out of the alternator output to the battery and what have you was going to be near the engine all right, so that's what you're concerned. I'm not saying, well, you got to wire it it's in the back over there by the by the directionals. That that doesn't look looks kind of funky. All right, so keep that in mind. Can you tell when it's going to go bad? Most likely not. All right, that's the bad part about electronics. But on occasion, they will start to give you a telltale sign, and the canary will start to sing in the coal mine. A little bit and that's why i want you to check that stuff and be mindful of it and as you know going away from alternators is that you also and i've said this many times before i'm drilling it into your head you need to be very mindful <coughs> of the voltage output and the frequency coming into your farm shop coming into your into your house into your buildings into your dairy barns and what have you you can't just forget about it like it was in 1950 and plug it in and just because something works then it may be eating off a dirty plate and if it's eating off a dirty plate it's eventually going to get sick and the same thing happens with a piece of equipment so also so to recap quickly before i close I want you to to make, and, and like I say, you don't have to go crazy over this, but if you have a couple of key pieces of equipment, fine. You know, you're buying an auto steer system. You're buying some advanced controls for your planter. Find out about the threshold of voltage for it, all right, that it could work. You're buying a piece of equipment that's going to run off of AC in your farm. Find out how much THD it could tolerate. Find out the range of voltage it could accept because don't think that the power company is sending you pure, a pure sine wave. Maybe they are, maybe they're not. Maybe sometimes they are, maybe sometimes they're not, all right? So you today you really need, you know, it's as, as I get ready to close, the best analogy that I can make from my humble opinion as the hot rod farmer is that you know years ago when somebody went into the hospital a loved one went into the hospital a family member went into the hospital the general practitioner that knew you knew that person knew the patient would interface with the hospital and with the and with the doctors in the hospital today they don't do that anymore so they have a house doctor that never saw you before never knows you wouldn't know you from adam if he ran you over coming out of the parking lot and your your general practitioner or family doctor has no connection with them whatsoever so you have this so you really have to micromanage your loved one's care in the hospital even though you're not in the medical profession you have to ask a lot of questions well with the complexity of today's equipment the complexity of of all electronics you really need to use that same mindset and micro i'm not saying you become electrical engineer but you need to be aware of it because it's your farm it's your money on the line it's your cows it's your chicken it's your hogs it's your crop it's your wife that's broken down all right so the thing basically is is that you can't have this attitude well you're gonna throw and 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 leave it to them all right now and that's why i'm so irate not to bring up you know not to belabor it is that 
you know, I did my due diligence with Generac, but they lied to me. So it doesn't mean that somebody can't lie to you, but you need to be able to and remember that in electronics, anything electronic has a threshold. And the threshold is the level it's able to tolerate and work at. And keep in mind that if the threshold is 115 volts, let's say, for whatever it is, arbitrarily, or it's 14 or uh, 9.6 volts on your combine, is that because of drift in the electronics, it may not work at 9.7 and 9.8 so if you don't have a comfortable threshold and say well it'll work up let's say make it easy 10 volts you know whatever the people from the monitor from the monitor said it'll work down to 10 volts i said well i got 10.5 volts that should work well it may not because there's drift in the electronics and and you don't know what quality electronics are in there no disrespect but you don't know what quality so if you're close enough to that threshold if you say well i got 13.9 then you 13.2 you scratch that off the list 12.9 you scratch it off the list but just like if you're checking compression on an engine you have to look at the percentage between the difference in the cylinders and the things that so if you're right at that threshold just because it's i mean it's not like you're in school well passing was 65 and you got 65 you pass no 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 it's not that way with electronics and that gets gets a lot of people in trouble on the in building i'm going to call it in building ac electronics in the farm and then also on farm equipment and trucks and and vehicles is that if you don't have a real comfortable margin and as i close i'll make a better analogy it's like looking at your checkbook and going well i got a thousand dollars in the checkbook in theory i can write a check for 999 dollars all right in theory you could but also they took the um, they took the the monthly maintenance fee out and so now you only have 998 dollars instead of 999 so listen buyer beware when it comes to things today all right uh check be get in the habit of checking the output voltage and load testing everything very simple you spend three four hundred dollars for a piece of equipment you could use it on everything i shouldn't say you can't use it on your on your grain drain but but anything you know that's that's on the farm machinery cars tractor golf cart uh atv motorcycle what have you it's a worthwhile and, and start to be you know just like they say a farmer the best the, the most important thing for a farmer to do is see his shadow out in the field he's checking his crops well the most important thing for you to do with your machinery is be familiar with it because that is going to be a give you a whole wealth wealth of information and it'll also be the canary just starting to sing in the coal mine when things start to go wrong so you have a blessed day and i thank you so much for tuning in and please know that the hot rod farmer is pulling for you the american farmer and rancher and my beloved america and mr mike cleveland reach out to me i got that hot rod farmer license plate for you thank you so much bye bye